Go to 1 John chapter 4 with me. 1 John chapter 4. And I, uh, I did a confession to Bishop over the phone. I said, you know, I, I, I know how to get a rise out of a crowd. If you preach long enough and you listen long enough, you know what some hot buttons are. And I can stand up here today and, 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 and really get you moving and shouting. But I would rather sacrifice a performance for something that's real. Something that is uh, tangible. Something that I'm afraid many of you might already know but have never accepted. Because it's hard to accept something when you don't have right things in front of you, a good example that is in front of you. And you are blessed, hear me, you are blessed to have a house like this on Sunday mornings. And a house that will be in your lives and you are even more blessed to have a, a pastor and a first lady who lives it in front of you. Amen. How comforting is it to come inside of a house of God? And we've all grown up in a church, maybe not into this one, but how wonderful is it that when you can come inside of a house of God and you have a married couple who lives it in front of you? Amen. Amen. I can't tell you how many churches I've been in and the, uh, the uh, pastor will be there and his wife is never to be seen because she knows he's, he, he's a joke. <laughs> but, uh, but when you see a wife who loves her husband and a husband who loves his wife, don't take that for granted. That is a safe, safe spot to be in. And then to have a, a, a child like they do, who I got the house, he was coming home from school and it was late at night and he ended up over at my house. Amen. See, that's what the Bible says, that when you get born again, and even if you leave it all to follow him, you will have houses. Amen. And I told that young man, he was like, I'll call you if I ever need you. I said, look, son, the key is right there hidden, right up on it. You don't call nobody. You grab the key, you go inside, the fridge is over here, the bathroom's here, you got towels over there. You don't have to call nobody. <laughs> you have a home here, amen? So it's a, it's a beautiful thing that when you can come here and you're safe, but many of us, we struggle secretly. Amen. And I know if I struggle... I know maybe we all struggle. So I'm going to teach something this morning that I hope if you grab a hold of, it will lead you on a journey like it has led me. I wish I would have got this in 1997. Amen. I got saved for one reason and one reason only. You want to know why? I didn't want to go to hell. Amen anyhow. I, did, I was not in a good place in my life. I didn't get up one morning and said, everything's going great, and I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to do God a favor. I'm going to get saved. I got up one morning with a hangover of a night of just pure drugs and alcohol. And a girl that I was trying, well, we, we, we'll skip that one, but with this one girl... <laughs> She wouldn't go out with me to no other place, but she would take me to church. And as a sinner, I would go. 
because you never know where that's going to lead. <laughs> One morning she took me to church and something hit me dead in my heart and I have, I thanked her and, and we never went out. I never saw her again after that point and I, I knew then that something had to change but my salvation experience was like a lot of ours. We go to God when everything is just bad. And we fail to learn uh, some key things in there. We get saved and then all of a sudden we begin to drift a little more and drift a little more. And then all of a sudden something bad happens again so we go right back to him. And we are conditioned to only go to God when things are bad. So I want to share something here this morning. It's 1 John chapter 4. And I don't know what, uh, what kind of a uh, translation that you have, so we're just going to go through it. And if I confuse you, I have two translations. I'll read it again. Amen? First John chapter 4, verse 8. Whosoever does not love does not know God because God is love. I could stop right there and just finish the whole thing. This is how God showed his love among us. If you ever wanted to know how he did it, this is how he did it. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Watch this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Say that with me. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Okay, that's going to come in real important. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit and we have seen and we testify that the father has sent his son to be the salvation of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. That is a key verse right there. Verse number 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Man, that's important. Whosoever lie, I'm sorry, whosoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have the confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Man, if you can swallow that, that is huge. In this world, we are like Jesus didn't say we were so for some of y'all I'm sorry you can be like him but you cannot be him <laughs> there is no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment the one who fears is not made perfect in love we love because he first loved us. It is a simple message this morning that many of us have seen and we all forget from time to time. We are 
Americans by nature. And we have been conditioned as such that the harder we work and the more we strive, the greater we will be accepted. So for all of you who say, well, you're just going to have to accept me for who I am, we really don't mean it because we all have a nature to fit in. We all have a nature to be liked. We all have a nature and a longing to be loved. We want to be loved. We feel like sometimes that if we, if we are single or if we are out there by ourselves, if I have the right stuff, I can attract the right folks. If I lose enough weight, I can attract this. So everything that we do in our life is based on what? Works. And God is not a man that he thinks like a man, nor does he judge like a man. So we will do something that I have learned in my life, that I have done, for, even myself, and it was so, well, well, it, it is such a, a freedom to realize that who I, me, me, this guy right here, who, what makes me, has nothing to do with who God is. But we will project our own thoughts, our own feelings, and we think that's what God thinks. Let me prove it to you. How many times have you heard this when you was growing up? Boy, if you don't watch what you're doing, God's going to get you. God's watching you. God's going to judge you. God, listen, there is one judgment, and we have to die to get there and face it. He is a merciful God. Vengeance is his. Okay? Vengeance belongs to him. We sit sometimes in a self-righteous, and I can take any scripture in that book and back my own self. I can take it out of context. I can take it for what it does not mean, and I can support my own bad behavior. And we project our own thoughts onto God. Let me break something down here for you, and you tell me, Honestly, now, now, for this to work today, we got to be honest. There is a parable in there, and I'm going to put it into, into this day, okay? You get a job at the Home Depot. Not a bad job. You go in at 9, and you work until 5. Your pay was going to be, we'll say, $100. There's another person that comes in at work at a 12 they get off at five. Their pay is $100. There's another somebody who shows up at four, works until five, and he gets $100. Let me talk to the people who got there at nine. How you feel about that? Now, if you got there at four, you feeling pretty good. But if you got there at nine and you worked until five, honestly, what are you saying at 530? How do you feel about the folks who showed up at lunchtime? And really, how do you feel about the folks who showed up at four? You're not feeling too hot, are you?
I got there at 9 o'clock, got there and clocked in at 8.45, worked my fingers to the bone, and that thing right there showed up at 4 and didn't even clock in right, didn't even, I mean, went and got a cup of coffee, <laughs> walked around the store like she owned the place, and when she walked out of the door, got the same check I got. Do you like it? But that's God. So for this to work, you have to understand that God loves you. All you do, born again, singing in the choir, you playing the drums, you, 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 you are helping out, you sacrifice 10% of your money, you're doing everything you know to do, and God loves the burnout drug dealer that won't even come to church, sitting right over there across the street, just as much as he loves you today. I'll come back next time and talk to you about trust. This message has nothing to do with trust. This message has everything to do with love. And the Bible says that his love has been spread abroad. And there's not one thing you can do to earn it. There's not one thing you have done to deserve it. There's not one thing you can do to make him love you more and to make him love you less. There is not one sin that can drive him away from you. It was actually your sin that brought him closer to you. It was the death. He loves you so much that he said, I am willing to do anything, even die for you, for you to realize I love you as you are and not as you should be. For none of us is as we should be. What happens is, is when we base ourselves on work and we don't understand the concept of love, we burn out. We get tired because we're working for love. We see if I work hard enough, he'll love me. If I work hard enough, if I give more, if I do more, he'll love me. And we are so far from the truth that when we were still sinners and undone, he loved us. We have got to transport ourselves not to work because... <laughs> But we have to realize what we are working for. When my wife and I got engaged, I took her out one night and we sat down and, man, the plate hadn't even hit the table yet. And I done scarfed that food. <laughs> and I was, I was almost done and she was just, and she was so beautiful and dressed up and nice and look so, so just elegant and here I am just a pig and I am eating and eating and eating and, and all of a sudden she looks at me and she says you are so gross <laughs> she said your table manners are just horrible 
And I sat there for a minute, and a big old smile came on my face because she loved me enough to be honest with me. And before the wedding, I bought a book about some manners. <laughs> See, I'm from northeast Georgia. We eat before it walks away. <laughs> but I bought me a book, and I did something else because my wife loves to dance, and at our, at our wedding, we were going to have a dance. And, and I mean, not a uh, club type dance, but we wanted to, I wanted to, you know, that there was going to be a dance with my mother and she was going to dance with her father. And then, so I slipped off and took dance lessons. And it had nothing to do with the fact that I was trying to, to be something that I'm not, but it was the fact that I loved her, that I was willing to make a change. Now, can I dance? No. But I was willing to learn so I don't make her look stupid. I was willing to learn how to do the steps. Now, it was awful. But it was better than what it would have been. I sat down at the table, and before I sat down, I pulled her chair out. And I sat her down. And when I sat down there with her, I waited for her food to be served first. I looked at my silverware and I learned in that book that I worked from the outside in. Now, when I'm at home, it's just one fork. <laughs> Amen. And it's probably going to be made out of plastic because I don't want to wash nothing. <laughs> Amen. But it was the ability to sit down and to learn something new, not because she was going to leave me and not because if I did not learn this, she would have found somebody a lot better. She already has accepted me for who I am. It was good for me to learn to love her for who she was. But because she had already accepted me for who I was, I wanted to be more for her. Many of us don't realize that God already accepts you. He already loves you. When you were whatever you were, he already loved you. He already knows what you're going to be, so I don't know what you're trying to be, but he already knows, so... He is, it's not the impression that we're trying to leave with him. He already loves you. And I know we hear that a lot and we like to say it, you know, you know, smile. God loves you. Oh, I, I, I know. Well, then get somebody to tell it to your face. Do you know God loves you? Yes, I know that. But I have to go to children's church. God really loves you. And we find ourselves in such anxiety and a depressions. And we fight and we are fatigued. And we are this and we are that. And what you are telling yourself, what the inside of your body is telling yourself, is you are longing to be loved and accepted. That's why we work so hard. 
listen, I love the man sitting on that stage. He will tell you I will never sit in that chair. I'll never sit at the big chair inside of his office. I will not do it because I love him. I do. I love him. But my Christian walk is not held in the balance of whether or not he pats me on the back. Of course, I would love to. Anytime you hear your name being called or anytime you get a special something, it feels good inside. Don't act like, I mean, everybody who's always won something, they'll get up there, especially with God. They'll get up there. Well, I didn't do it for me. I did it for the Lord. Yeah, and you drove everybody crazy and insane, and your attitude was awful, and we knew if we didn't give you something, you'd leave. I need some water. Water. <coughs> Come on, I'm not being ugly. It's the truth. Well, you better give sister something. You know, I know she works hard, but Lord, that mouth. Whoo. And sometimes you just secretly are praying, you know, Lord, if you can do this by yourself, do it without having to use her or him or anybody else. Lord, just do it yourself. But Lord chooses people. And we get so fatigued and we get burnt out and we do, and we say some of the, we honestly, listen, we have boiled down Christianity by coming to church. Well, I got up this morning and went to church and God's sitting up there going saying, boy, don't, don't, don't strain yourself. Slow it down a little bit now. I got to hit that choir practice after church. Oh, boy, they, boy, they make a Sunday and a Sunday, don't they? <laughs> I am preaching by anybody. I tell you, I don't have a lot to say, but what I have to say is real. At church at 1030, we got just enough time to go eat, and then we got to come right back again. And then, Lord, I wish somebody would buy every chair in America and give it to Bishop. By the time Bishop get done, every continent going to have a chair in it. But come on, we got to go because if we don't go, if we don't go, we ain't serving the Lord and we ain't serving it. And if we don't go, you know what's going to happen. There are going to be five people who say, well, I wonder where she is. I wonder what they're doing. I wonder, wonder what's going on. Mm-hmm. They see, told you, many are called, but few are chosen. <laughs> see, there I told you, in the last days, many would wax cold and There'd be a great falling away. They miss one choir practice. It ain't a great falling away. They weren't able to come to one service because they sat up on Saturday night and did something else and just didn't want to come here to see you. So they sat at home and believe it or not, secretly, they felt pretty good about it too.
Now, next Sunday, they're going to tell you, Lord, I missed church, and ooh, I missed a blessing. I know I did, and oh, I know Bishop had a word, but I missed that word. But in the back of their mind, they're saying, I didn't get out of my drawers. I was in my sleep clothes, and it felt so good to get up, and not have to do nothing today. Ooh, can I tell you, God still loves you even though you missed church. Now, should you make a habit of it? Probably not, but it would do some of y'all some good that might just. <clears throat> or you got that other person who's so title hungry. They ain't going to miss nothing. And they're going to constantly just wedge and wedge and wedge and wedge and wedge. And they're going to get all the called people out. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they something because there wasn't nobody else in there. And we call that Church. We have, we have gotten almost so far away that we have defined ourselves as good morals, good ethics. We don't watch dirty movies, except for that one Sunday that you didn't come to church. And then you got all 50 shades of it. Ain't it good just to live right where you live? We're good moral people. We got good ethics. We uh, open the door for folks. We smile. We grin. And then we go home. And we're so full of shame and doubt. And we're so full of in, in, indecisiveness and regrets and anxieties and and then all of a sudden, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you've ever been there, but, you know, I, I, I called a pastor one time. There was a, um, in a town that I had a church in, there, there's a, a package store, and then there's another store. And for some of y'all who don't know what a package store is, you're lying. But there's a package store, and there's another store. And I remember I got out, and I was coming out of that uh, uh, package store, and there happened to be a pastor coming out the package store. <laughs> And he had a brown bag in his hand. And as soon as he saw me, he said. I said, what you got? Nothing. I said, I ain't asking you because I'm judging you. I'm asking you because I might want to share with you. He said, do what? I said, because if you got it and I'm with you, you can't tell on me and I can't tell on you. He started crying and everything was bad. And I said, come on, man, get in your car. Come on. Let me get in there with you. What is going on with you? And he began to talk. And the church was this and the church was that. And I said, I understand you want to just go home and turn it out. He said, I know when I do this, I'm done. I said, done with who? Or done with what? 
I said, man, I'm going to tell you something. I said, God don't care if you're a pastor, if you're a preacher, or what you are. He loves you as you are, not as you should be. I said, now I would think long and hard about doing that, but that's not going to change his love for you. I said, it might change a uh, trust factor, but it's not going to change the love factor. And in the end, when it's all said and done, I want his love more than I want anything else. And what it took me a long time to understand is that he has already loved me before I even got here. See, we need to, uh, we need to get, the moment you get this, you're going to jump up and shout. You go, I know God loves me. Well, if you understand, then why are you working so hard to make him love you more? He already loves you. He loves you more than you will ever love yourself. He loves you more than any dad can ever love a son, any mom could ever love a daughter. He loves you so much that he was willing and did die. So there is nothing wrong with gathering. There's nothing wrong with serving. There's nothing wrong with working. But you have to understand, if you are simply working or serving or showing up because you are scared to death that one of these days God is just going to turn on you, you have lost your mind. He will never leave you or forsake you. <clears throat> because those wonderful gifts that you have are his. Without him, the singing, the praise, the worship, the preaching, the uh, teaching is all in vain. They're his gifts. One of these days you're going to realize that you have been seized by a pure affection. I want you, if you take anything away from me today, I want you to understand this, that when he saved you, it was not to just give you gifts and to give you talents. When he saved you, it was not just to uh, prosper you. It was not for you to show off in front of your friends with wonderful morals. The reason why God sent his son to save us, this may be shocking for some, is because he wanted a love affair. He calls us the bride. He is looking for a love affair. A relationship. Not the big man upstairs. Not some, not some huge gas up there that just kind of floats around. Not some God that's waiting on you to mess up. You see, when I was raised... I was raised in an old school holiness church. And we learned about three people. We learned about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. God was looking to kill you. And Jesus was looking to save you. And the Holy Ghost would sneak up on you. Grab you and just make you do crazy things. Have you not been taught that? 
in some point of your life, God is this all-powerful judge of righteousness who's just waiting for you to mess up to make an example out of you. And Jesus is standing there saying, oh, calm down now, Dad. Calm down. Calm down. Whew. I know they're crazy, but don't kill them. I'm going to kill them. Don't you kill them. Ooh. No, 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 no. And then the Holy Ghost is just flying around here, and all of a sudden he'll grab you. And you don't even know what's going on. He just got you. You ain't even saved yet. You That's a dysfunctional family. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What was Jesus? Anytime you read this in the Bible to when it says Jesus was moved with compassion. Have you ever read that? Do you know what that honestly means? It means his gut wrenched. It means his body was broken. It means in one fell swoop, he looked at somebody who needed him and his gut was torn open. The ground, it shook. Heaven went to attention and Jesus, through love and through compassion, touched the untouchables. People will say, why do you do this? He says, I'm about my father's business. Jesus was sent in the flesh so we would see the fullness of God. I know he's a judge and I know he's righteousness, but you know what? Through grace and through mercy, he became an Abba Father who is willing to go with you. No matter where you go, he's willing to go. No matter what you do, he's willing to forgive. No matter how many times you do it, he's still Abba Father. Look at somebody say, he loves me. Hallelujah. This gospel is absurd and makes no sense unless the life of Jesus means something to us and unless we believe that He lived and He died and He rose again, but with one purpose in mind, to love you. Our whole identity rests in God's relentless love for us in Jesus Christ. The deepest awareness of yourself is to one day realize that you are deeply loved by Jesus Christ. And you did nothing to earn it or to deserve it. You want to be radical? Who wants to be radical? To define yourself to be radical is to accept the fact that you are His beloved. Every other thought of yourself is an illusion. I want to read this here to you. And, and honestly, I'm almost done. To live by grace means to acknowledge Look at someone say acknowledge. Your whole life story. The light side, 
and the dark side and the shadow side. You'll learn who you are in God and what grace really means. I have no problem accepting the goodness that I have done. And I have no problems accepting all the dark things that I have done. But you know where we struggle? The shadow sides. When we have to put on a smile when we don't feel like it. When we have to praise when we don't feel like it. When we have to show up when we don't want to show up. When we have to be on call. and be, Why? Because our identity, we think, is on spotlight. We are so consumed with the identity of ourselves that we forget we are Abba's child first. I don't care what your position is in this building, that is second to Abba's child. You are no good to anybody else if you forget that one fact. I belong to him first. How many times have you came up and you sung a song or you did some ministry and you were in need of it? I can't tell you how many times I have stood in a pulpit and I didn't want to be there and they didn't want to be there. But because of my reputation and how I thought of myself. And when you do that, you create a God that is manufactured out of human thought. And that is not the God of the Bible. You cannot manufacture. You are projecting your own thoughts onto him now. And you are thinking, well, if I'm disappointed in me, he must be disappointed in me. And you have never been further from the truth. He cares more about your well-being than you do. He cares more about your thoughts and your psyche and how you feel. I know we've been taught, you know, God don't care about how you feel. Well, if he didn't, why did he send Jesus down here to feel? Seeing that we have such a high priest that has been what? Touched by what? The feelings of our infirmities. If it's a big thing to you, it is a big thing to your Abba. We are built by our own conditioning. You have got to realize that I, I, I understand in a group this size, you might not have had the dad that I had. A dad who was at every ball game. A dad who was at every graduation. Dad that was at every school function. Many of you might not have that. And the first thoughts of God is of your own dad. We relate things like this. Many of you might not have had a mom who cared. We, we, we don't live in a world anymore to where a child means anything. We, they, they will put a child in a dumpster now. They will, they will hide a child in a building and just hope somebody finds that child. But to those of you who are parents, and I am a dad now myself, I promise you there is not one thing my son can do that will make me stop loving him. 
And if I who am evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will the God who is perfect? I didn't want to lead in on this, but I love my son. Even though I may not trust him, I love him. Let me break it down to you like this. Let's say my son went down my path and he calls me one night and he is in some city. He says, Dad, you know what I've been doing. You know the lifestyle that I am living, but I am done with this. I'm not going to say, son, call me in the morning. I'm not going to say, son, you know what? You've said this to me so many times. I don't believe it. I'm going to say, where are you at? Sit still. I'm on my way. And I'm going to rejoice because the Bible said when the prodigal son was a long way off, the daddy saw him and he ran to him and he couldn't quit kissing him. Now I'm going to pick him up and I'm going to bring him home. And I'm going to love him. He's free to have his room. I'm going to put shoes on his feet. and I'm going to put the ring on his finger. I'm going to give him his clothes back. But I'm going to lock my stuff up. All the jewelry, all the money, I'm going to lock it up. It, that does not mean I don't love him. I got him. I brought him home. He's free to eat. He's free to sleep. He's my son, but he ain't getting my stuff. And Paul broke it down like this. A child differs nothing than a slave, even though he be the heir of it all. But that child is locked up under tutors until the day he grows up. <clears throat> See, we mistaken trust for love. And just because you see one of your brothers and your sisters that's getting a little bit more than you has nothing to do with love. So quit working so hard to be loved. If you want to be trusted, fall in love. You don't have to outwork each other, outperform each other. You don't have to outbe one another. All you got to do is fall in love with him who already loves you. And then all these things. Look at somebody and say, stop. Look at somebody and say, stop. stop. Casting, Casting. You, you on God. God is not as judgmental as that sister who's been all in your stuff and has come to you to pray for you and then has got on the phone and told everything about you. I want to, there's a lot more i got to say, but hopefully y'all get with Bishop, man. I want to come back some more this year and finish this up. 
Because I want to teach you about who he is as an Abba. And then what it is when that little bit of uh, trust will come out. But I have learned in my life that you'll, you will see Jesus in one of three ways. Either you see Jesus. Now, now let's just, again, I got to have you to be a child for a second. Because I am having more fun with my nine-year-old than I've ever had in my life. Because me and him, when we get out into the woods, man, we, we can be anything. Right now, my son is into uh, wrestling. And he, 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 you know, I don't know if y'all watch it or not. I had to start watching. But my son's favorite two guys are these brothers from Hawaii. And every time they walk out on stage, they go, ooh, so? <laughs> we got the Musso brothers. I drove to Greenville to take my son to go see Raw. And I didn't know nobody until they gave an award away to the Dragon Steamboat. Ricky the Dragon. I said, I know him. I know that guy. And we, and we sat through this thing. Now, wrestling's most fakest. Th- you know, I, I hate to tell some of y'all this, but, you know, I'll, it's fake, guys. It really is fake. I never believed it neither, but it's fake. And those Usos come out, and I done bought my son the shirt, and, you know, and we're sitting there, and I got him good seats, and all of a sudden this one little theme song started, and, and boy, he, whew. <laughs> And here they come, all cool guys, got the black hair, nice tan skin, and they get out there, ooh, and my son, so! <laughs> and I'm just sitting there watching him, and every time, ooh, so! They picked one of those Uso brothers up and they slammed him through a chair and my son went, "Ah!" And he's got tears just streaming. And he reaches over and he grabs me. He says, Daddy, is Jimmy Uso going to, is he going to be okay? I said, I promise you by next Monday that brother going to be fine. Brother's fine. (laughs) Don't miss my point. Something bad happened, and the first person he grabbed was me. I often wonder what breaks the heart of God. And for years, I thought it had been shortcomings and faults and my failures, but I've learned that he's perfectly okay with those with me because it's me if, if he's going to be the god of my good he's also the god of my bad he's also the god of my secrets he's the god of my shadows he's he's the god of everything and i always wondered and we've always heard you know that when you sin you break the heart of god but god's got a remedy for sin and that's already been poured out does our Bibles not say that we are saved? That he's already taken into consideration our sins and he's put them into a sea? That he forgets them? That we are covered from now until eternity? I am not giving you a license to sin. 
Because like I said, I want you to change because you love him. Not because you feel like if you don't, he, he won't love you anymore. He will love you. But because you love him, we ought to be willing to make these changes. But I have wondered and I have prayed about what breaks his heart. And I have discovered, and I'll lead, I'll lead into this. We see Jesus in three ways. We've either been taught to see him, if he was to walk in this building right now. Imagine this, if you can. If he was to walk into this building right now, and he's got a briefcase in his hand, and he gets face to face with you, and he says, you know what, I am sick of you. All your empty promises and your feeble the prayer life and the games you play. I am so tired of the hypocrisy. I got everything about you right here, and you want to know something? You are in deep. You know what? I know everything. Don't even talk to me no more. Just I ain't even listening. And there are some of us who have been taught that, that he's done turned a deaf ear to you. <laughs> and it's the scare tactic. Again, I got saved because I didn't want to go to hell. Or we see him as the big righteousness, and he looks at you right in the face, and he says, I got one word for you. Repent, you old nasty scoundrel, you. But you want to know what breaks his heart? Is when you carry that image of him. Or some of us have learned to see him with our heads down, ashamed. And there's that gentle hand that lifts up your face. And he says, you know what? You didn't have to choose me, but you did. I chose you way before you ever thought of me. I have loved you through it all. You know what? I honestly thought you, you turned out a lot worse than you did. But me and you together? Well, we've overcome some things, haven't we? Now, I know you're not where you should be. But I love you just as you are and not as you should be. Now, look up at me. You know why? Because you're never going to be as you should be. But you know what breaks my heart? Is the moment you backslide or the moment you feel fatigued or the moment something happens, you don't come to me. go to everybody else you get sick you go to Benny Hinn now understand what he's saying he may direct your path to somebody but the first thing out of your mouth when you feel that coming on ought to be what do I I, Ab, I am stuck I want you to look how many times that David messed up, but how many times David went back to him every time. And God said, that's the man after my own heart. That no matter how many giants he kills, no matter what he does, no matter, it doesn't matter the thousand he slains or the women he sleeps with or the men he has murdered, when he messes up, he comes back to me. Because he loves me. I can't quit loving him. But oh, what a joy is it in heaven to know that he is loved by us. He made a creation. 
and gave us free will to choose. Do you know how it makes him feel when we choose him? Can you play something for me, bro? You know, there was, if you want to look at it this way, there could have been two prodigal sons. Because, see, Jesus had to leave the splendors of heaven, sacrificed it all to come down here. And the Bible said he became sin for us. Do you know when Jesus found himself in the Garden of, of Gethsemane, we see a total different Jesus. We don't see the Jesus with confidence that walked through the streets. And even though one day they wanted to throw him over a, a cliff, he just passed right through him. The, uh, the uh, Jesus who sat so calm knowing that one of his best friends had died, but he knew when he got there, everything would be okay. And even the Bible says that the man side of him began to cry. And the crowd said, see how much he loved him. Jesus was so confident, but all of a sudden in the garden, he's praying so intensely, he's sweating the blood. And, but I want you to look the first words that came out of his mouth. If you read his first prayer, he said, Abba, Daddy, I don't want to do this. If there's any other way to let this cup pass from me, I don't want to do it. But I love you. So it's not my will. It's yours. I'll do whatever you want me to do. No one stayed awake with him. Nobody prayed with him. All he had was Abba. All he had was his daddy. He held perfectly quiet until they nailed him to the cross and then he became vocal once again. You know what he said first? Abba, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know. All of a sudden, all the sin of me and you and everything that we could ever do was transferred to him. And he cried out again, Eli, Eli. My father, God, God, why are you forsaking me? I want to hear you. Now, I can't prove this. But something changed from that statement to the last statement. I don't know if God whispered to him or spoke to him. But if he did, maybe in the Song of Solomons we find the key to where it says... Come away, my love. Come on home. The winter's over. The spring is coming. Come away. And Jesus said, it is finished. Father, in your hands, I commence my spirit to you. Think of the prodigal son when the bloodied body of Jesus 
walked inside of heaven. He didn't really look like he left the king. The sin, the flesh, the ripping and the blood. But I believe when the father saw him a long way off, he couldn't quit kissing him. Put the shoes on his feet, the ring on his finger, put the robe back on there. Why? Because it had been finished. What had been finished? If you read John, Jesus was sent for one reason and one reason only, for me and you. For God so loved the world, he sent Jesus. He didn't come just to save the uh, Billy Grahams and the, and the powerful people. He came for you and for me, for us. So we get born again one Sunday because we're scared and we don't want to go to hell and hell was never meant for me and for you. What was meant for me and for you was an adoption that we could say, Abba, Father. And we could become joint heirs with Him that died for us. So we could serve a daddy who loves you more than anything else and is willing to let the most perfect one die for us. Well, Brother Grant, I'm saved. I already know that. Well, then tell it to your face. I told Bishop back in the room, this has been two years of nothing but peace in my home, in my life. Because when you fully accept that you are loved by such an affectionate love, it doesn't matter what else is happening. The world could end tomorrow, and the worst thing that's going to happen to me is I'm going home. Should we pray for the other country? Sure. While we're here, we're to be lights. But when it's all said and done, you need to understand we are his child. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you have never experienced.